Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by the United Ways of Chautauqua County. United Way is a nonprofit organization that mobilizes the community to help every person and family improve their lives. Donations to the United Way stay 100% locally in our community and get invested in more than 40 community-based programs. These programs help students achieve academic success, families to be self-sufficient and financially stable, and vulnerable households to get their basic and emergency needs met. The United Ways of Chautauqua County, proud supporters of community radio in Jamestown, New York. To learn more, visit uascc.org or call 716-483-1561. A research initiative on Chautauqua Lake got a $1 million boost in funding by the Chautauqua County Legislature at its April voting session. County Executive P.J. Wendell tells us more about the Jefferson Project, as well as giving an update on economic development news and the state budget. We welcome Chautauqua County Executive P.J. Wendell to the WRFA studios. Good morning. Good morning. So it took some discussion and even an an attempt to amend and table the motion, but a resolution to fund the Jefferson Project with $1 million passed the Chautauqua County Legislature. Wednesday night. So, so what will this funding do? So, what this is going to do is continue uh, what is currently the third consecutive year of research in Chautauqua Lake. It will culminate. I have to double check the numbers. I think twenty five, the year twenty twenty five. It's what they have. The plan is to create a smart lake model. They've already done this in in Lake George, and it's guidance that they follow. The concern that many have is because. Honestly, I think they're afraid of what science might tell them. Um, you know, we don't know uh, the, the re- end results of what we're doing, right? So we know the most immediate results are herbicides. We, we see them go in. We see the results effective. The maintenance, the you know, harvesting, we do it every year. And again, it's just something we, we know. Now, where we start every year differs because of where the population of weeds uh, grows. Sometimes it's more in one area than the other. Um, somewhat, you know, farmer's almanac based. We know that if there's a low ice cover like we did this year uh, or not a deep freeze in the lake, then we tend to have more weeds in the summertime and the spring. So a growing concern for many uh, around there. You know, some of the, I mean, it, it, people stop at nothing. You know, I've been getting text messages on my personal cell saying, you know, you need to go with one way, especially herbicides. They're proven to be a forever solution. Well, we've been using herbicides in this lake for decades, so I can't say it's a forever solution. Does it help and does it work? Yes. But a forever solution, that's like saying that harvesting the weeds every year is a forever solution. If that's the case, why are we coming back every year? So what the Jefferson Project is looking at, particularly are the harmful algal blooms. They're looking at the genome, they're looking at the DNA, what makes them, you know, what's, what's the makeup? And now the hope is this year we can get further understanding and look to find out how we can stop, prevent, or I don't know if eradicate is even the word, but um, you know, those are the types of things that the Jefferson Project is looking at. And again, to have this smart lake model, to know, you know, turbidity, to know, you know, flow, to know currents, to know everything that goes on in that lake from a chemical, you know, the, the chemistry of the lake and a physics part of the lake. 
you know what people are saying now that the push is out there chem you know the herbicides are causing harmful algal blooms well it's been reported uh, again that that is not completely true uh, we have had harmful algal blooms before this second round of herbicide treatments now remember this is where we come into this divide of herbicide or not herbicide you know we're poisoning the lake well we used herbicides for decades. Why weren't we poisoning the lake then? And now we're poisoning it now with, with a much safer, a less concentrated uh, product. So again, I'm not looking to, to, to go down this rabbit hole of you know who can prove what. The bottom line is what I am trying to work toward is a collaborative solution. And ending this philosophy, if you're not with us, you're against us. That has to stop. Everyone has a place in this lake. Everyone has... Uh, an effort to can help this lake, and that's what they're trying to do. But the Jefferson Project is giving us the science. Um, some fears we have from certain factions is that, um, you know, John Kelly had spoken and, and supported a ban of Priscillacor in Lake Jor. Thus, the belief is the Jefferson Project is anti-herbicide. That's not. Um, the Jefferson Project, is, Project has been here for three years, and you know they have not stated, you know, factually or on the record that they oppose that. In that case, people are reading the headlines, not the article. So again, I had a great conversation with Michael Hill yesterday. Um, many of the questions that were brought up last night, there are answers. So what they're going to do is create a Q&A sheet to give that information to people. You know, we do know the scope. We do know the goals. We do know the timeline. It's just, you know, not everything that goes on is supposed to be brought out for the public for them to consume. Like, what, what are the arguments about, you know, spending money on the, the airport? Now, there were more people upset last night about trying to come up with a solution rather than trying to increase economic, you know, uh, vibrancy in Chautauqua County. So a lot of passion, I get it, you know, but, you know, you get factions on saying what is good and what is bad. So, you know, right now, and the best part about this is, and thank you to John Kelly and Chautauqua Institution, they presented uh, to the legislature, uh, the majority of the legislature saw that I strongly believe that's why you saw the vote turn out the way it did many were understood what was happening and where we're going yes now we have to sit down and make sure we get a report at the end of the year of what they have found what it's determined but again that report can be given but you know um what's going to have to come as an understanding because this is very very high level science uh, but the better part about this is, you know, one of the groups, the CLP, the Chautauqua Lake Partnership, has reached out organically and teamed up with RPI. So the sensors that they have are now going to be utilized by the Jefferson Project to gain more data and a broader spectrum of the data in Chautauqua Lake. So those are the types of collaboration that are happening. So there isn't, you know, divisiveness throughout. The, it's really people working together. But I think in essence, you know, sometimes there's a fear of the unknown. And at the end of the day, we need to know, um, you know, what the science is showing us. I, again, um, you know, science will tell. That's the way I look at it, you know, and I, I support what they're doing. And, and again, it's, it's an ongoing effort. And, uh, you know, again, it was supported well last night. Mm -hmm. When, when I, you're talking about the weeds and everything, oops, and our herbicides, uh, one of the things I thought about is that, you know, 
a lot of things that happen with Chautauqua Lake is affected by what is coming into the lake. And is that something they'll also be looking at? Do they look at the watershed kind of stuff? They do. Um, and one of the things that was talked about today, so, you know, for the last three years, Chautauqua Institution has borne the brunt of, of the financing. We did help for $250,000 one year. But, you know, we need to have more skin in the game because, again, it, the, the piece that is exciting now to share is this Global Freshwater Institute. You know, this was discussed and it's now finally, uh, you know, made public. And now to have global research, uh, you know, people coming in from around the country to year-round symposiums and looking at what's happening with this lake and, you know, going forward. Um, so one of the things, going back to um, the broader picture, the $4 million price tag for this year initially saw six sensors into the watershed, into the tributaries. Uh, that's going to be diminished, if not um, completely done away with this year. But they have been looking at that. And the watershed has been doing a tremendous amount of work. Uh, you know, when you look at the Chautauqua Lake Watershed and Management, Chautauqua Lake and Watershed Management Alliance, what you'll find is 56% of the funding over the last five years has gone to watershed projects. So there is a great deal going on um, and there needs to be more, obviously. But yes, we need to look at what's coming into the lake. And, you know, with more development, if you go around to many of these lakes, Lake George and others, you will not see as much development along the shoreline as we have in Chautauqua Lake. So that, you know, poses its own problems as well as development in the watershed. You know, the more trees you take out, the more water that runs into Chautauqua Lake. So again, it's, uh, you know, John Jablonski's made these points you know, we need to do stormwater management systems. We need to pay attention to more when developments come in to make sure they have catch basins and, and so forth, because it is important that that gets trapped or captured prior to getting into Chautauqua Lake. So we're working, uh, but again, it's it's not a perfect world. And, and the piece about this, though, too, is there's no silver bullet. You know, somebody said, what is our plan? There's a multitude of plans, but one plan is to improve the quality of Chautauqua Lake, you know, with, you know, diminishing the, the toxicity of, of the harmful algal blooms and also the nuisance weeds, along with the, the um, sediment that's coming into Chautauqua Lake and making sure that we're keeping the unwanted, um, you know, phosphorus and nitrogen loads out of Chautauqua Lake. So it's not one silver bullet. So, you know, we're looking at this in many approaches and there's many different ideas and many different processes that are taking place. Mm -hmm. There was a concern that was um, brought up by the Chautauqua Conowingo Watershed Consortium about that there was already a study on harmful algal blooms on Chautauqua Lake. Are you familiar with that study or is that something, I, I, I hadn't heard of it myself and I didn't know how it could play into, if it's being used at all by the Jefferson Project? That I haven't seen. Um, I won't get into specifics, but there are certain um, members that have, you know, we won't go down the road, let's say that. Um, but yes, the, the consortium did have a document that, um, you know, I'm not sure what the study is, but obviously this not, if the study was done, then why aren't we looking at it? Where, where, where is it? Who, who, who performed the study? Um, you know, as to you know these harmful algal blooms, and you know some of the comments that were made of multiple places around the state or the country that are already doing this science. Well, where is it? Why hasn't anybody reached reached out and said, "Hey, you know, we've got this science. We've done it." One of the places they talked about, um, Darren, uh, the Darren Lake. Uh, group is actually part of RPI, um, that it's one of their existing uh, science centers, and that will be folded into the Global Freshwater Institute as we move forward. So, you know, again, it, it, 
without getting into it, there are people that have their own personal agendas and their beliefs as to where we should go and trying to direct and lead us that way. But yeah, at the end of the day, you know, we understand that there's a lot going into the Kanawango uh, Consortium and the Kanawango Watershed, of which Chautauqua League is, but there's many other tributaries and other areas as well that, you know, aren't always the primary focus, but it seems Chautauqua Lake catches, you know, the brunt of what's happening. The other piece about this that, that has really been fallen off, if you will, what the Jefferson Project is doing is creating this, this um, understanding of the water table, the water column, I shouldn't say the top table, the water column. As we proceed, and we mentioned this before, our lobbying efforts in Washington with Senator Schumer and Senator Gillibrand and um, Congressman Langworthy was to get what they call a New START program. That's to fund the Aquatic Ecosystem Restoration Project. That is something that the Army Corps has dubbed um, Chautauqua Lake for. Right now, very confident we got some good news in our efforts, but again, it's, we haven't crossed the finish line yet. If that comes across, the funding then comes for the Army Corps to begin this process, and then they do, do a scoping project as to what are the next steps, which is something we're very supportive of and, and really excited for it to come in. But the science from the Jefferson Project is playing part in that understanding. So right now the Pittsburgh office has been, it's the top ranked project in their district and really excited about the Jefferson science because it will help them inevitably eliminate costs for Chautauqua County in the scoping project. We were told anywhere from one to $3 million. Well, if this Jefferson Project science is able to reduce the cost, then it's money well spent. So it's all interwoven. Um, and really what we're looking at is the Army Corps to give us some definitive answers. Uh, they are the foremost authority, uh, you know, especially when it comes to dredging and ecosystems. So we want them to come into Chautauqua Lake and we're really confident, um, you know, but again, fingers crossed that this will all, you know, come to fruition. But, you know, we definitely need, um, you know, again, multiple approaches when we go into this. Mm -hmm. And something that you, you've been talking, mentioning in, in today, this morning, is that uh, this Freshwater Global Institute, and I, we've talked about it before. Can you remind my listeners what this institute is? So what it is, it would be on the grounds of Chautauqua Institution. Um, they, have, they have the space and the ability to do this. Uh, what it would be is uh, scientists, you know, living here year-round from RPI, uh, also technology from IBM moving into Chautauqua County, um, high-paying jobs plus support staff, and the, the, the science that will be generated from Chautauqua Lake and other lakes would be able to come here and now have symposiums, you know, people staying in our hotels, larger, you know, larger groups coming into Chautauqua County, and inevitably to, to try to find solutions. We know there's not one solution for Chautauqua Lake. There's multiple solutions. And what are that. But why would we not want to be the center or the epicenter of, of global freshwater or at least nationally, you know, freshwater inland lakes? Um, you know, again, I think there's a fear of the unknown, uh, you know, but who knows what that science is going to tell us? You know, we, everyone, you know, our, you know, if we're looking at herbicides, everyone's guilty because it's, it's been put in, let's face it, you know, many different groups. But I don't think it's that. I think there's a place for everything, but it's a matter of, you know, that balance of, of harvesting and herbicides. And, you know, don't forget whether we harvest or we herbicide, you know, to treat weeds, the weeds impact the ecosystem and the fish and the hiding place for, you know, uh, uh, f feeder fish. So again, it's, it's not simple. It's a very complex strategy and, and nobody claims to know all of it, but we have to look at everything. But this Global Freshwater Institute, will bring that year-round science and a lot of uh, you know fresh ideas to Chautauqua Lake. So we're really excited about that, not only from the scientific point, but also for the economic development. So th that's not a done deal, though. That's something still being worked no, on. Yeah, we're still working on it, but you know it's um, it's it's moving closer and closer. So we're excited. Uh, you know, this is good news.
Mm-hmm. So, uh, and if I'm I'm hearing you're right, you're saying that maybe you're saying by 2025, you think is when they'll have a report, or is it next year? We, I heard we, two different numbers. Right, like we last could have night. you know. So what we're going to do is request the Jefferson Project to give us a report from their findings for this year, uh, the 2023 research season, if you want to call it that. But also, this is going to be part of that larger. Um, smart lake mapping or smart lake model uh, that will be created at the end of this. So all those details are part of the contract already written with the institution and the Jefferson project. Uh, you know, we're going to, our legal is going to be looking at, at where we go as far as the contractual, but it would be, um, you know, getting the money to the institution. They already have a contract, which I told was a very lengthy process and somewhat challenging. So instead of reinventing the wheel, you know, we would just use the, as a pass through. We've done that before and very confident um, in, you know, the current contract as it stands. But many of the questions last night are already there. Uh, it's just, you know, we wanted to produce the science. We want to talk to people and let them know exactly the science that's going on, not bogged down with, you know, contractual obligations and goals and you know, somebody goes, we need third-party monitoring. Well, okay, so we're going to bring another group in to study the group to study in the group. It, you know, it, it's just, again, it's fear that people just want to make sure and there's, there's such a lack of trust in certain things. It's really disappointing. You know, people have to have faith in what, others are doing and work together instead of working in opposition just because they may not feed into your your thought or your philosophy of what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. There was a, another resolution that had to do with lakes. I'm not going to say Chautauqua Lake, but it had to do with lakes in uh, Chautauqua County, and that was a resolution to use $1, $1 million in ARPA funding for lake maintenance equipment. So what what is the lake? Do you, is there a specified equipment that you hope yeah. to purchase? So yeah, there was a list that came out. So one of them is going to be a, uh, a weed harvester. Uh, the next one is a weed transport. Uh, barge, if you will, or but a weed transport. Uh, the next one is going to be a research vessel uh, for our partnership for the alliance that's in the lake constantly right now they're using canoes and kayaks and dinghies and small fishing boats Uh, so we want to get something that they could use uh, more readily there's also um, you know opportunity for the other researchers to use a boat have a boat at their their use or at their pleasure uh, when they want to do something and who knows maybe we may get somebody for the community that has a very you know a a very solid boat that you know they would they would donate to the alliance but it's funny until you you know bring these things out we want to say oh well i've got the everybody always gives you solutions when when we put something out there but yet no one has come up and said well do you guys need a boat you know what does the what does the alliance need what can what can the community do to help you so anyway, looking at this funding is going to provide, you know, necessary equipment. Um, you know, there's a couple of groups that have reached out to us. Uh, so we haven't defined exactly where the equipment is going to go as far as which group will be operating. But, uh, you know, we've, we've talked with different groups. So again, there's, that's not an etched in stone. It's not a, you know, we haven't signed any contracts. We haven't gone down that road. But once the equipment, it's going to take about 12 to 18 months, we're told, to be manufactured and come in. At which point, you know, which point we'll we'll talk, you know, you know, possibly setting up an RFP um, and looking to see which group will give us a proposal and find out the best bang for our buck when it comes to utilizing this lake equipment. He also uh, represent Legislator Benkowski asked, could this be transported to other lakes? If the, if there's a need for it, I don't see why not. You know, we we have said this would be lake, you know, countywide use. Uh, you know, there would be a group that would primarily, you know, be in charge of the operation, but we would maintain ownership of that boat and then you know allow licensing uh, for the watercraft. We already have those. Uh, agreements in place as it is disappointing you know people come to us especially last night well this is new we're ready it's not new this these are things that have been talked about you know 
constantly. And, and as Dave Wolfong had said on the floor, you know, as a legislator, it's your job, you know, and, and, and any legislator's job to make sure they're informed, you know, to reach out. My, again, I've, I've told multiple people and sent out emails, if they have questions, please call me. Uh, you know, don't have to call me when you have an agenda or some specific item, but, you know, hey, I have questions on this and where is it going? Because again, you know, I spoke yesterday kind of ad nauseum these things happen in my office and in different groups and you know i mean for example this this equipment meeting we had three meetings in a week discussing you know the purchase of this equipment where it would go and um at that point you know we we've pivoted um and you know we're going to sit down and take a good hard look at where is going to be the best bang for our buck when it comes to this equipment um so again Really excited that the, the equipment will provide additional maintenance in Chautauqua Lake, which is our goal. And back again, if you look at where I've stood on ARPA funding, it's not specified for one specific area. It's really, you know, throughout Chautauqua County. Uh, Casadega Lake does have its own weed harvester. They've got their own lake association, Finley Lake, uh, the same. I'm not sure if they have a harvester, but we have not ever said, no, we're not sending it to Chautauqua Lake only. So, you know, with this equipment, we'll allow the county that versatility if it's needed. Um, so, you know, we're excited about it. It's, um, you know, in many cases, it's adding to the, you know, the increased maintenance that we're having in Chautauqua Lake. Mm-hmm. So there was one uh, item that, that passed fairly smoothly in comparison to the last time, and that was the funding of a study on the Jamestown Airport. So now this, this is going to go forward. Is there another process? Do you have to, like, do an RFP for someone to do the study? No, that we're, we're, we started this process already, and, his, and the history behind this was, you know, our former airport manager, you know, did an application for essential air service to return. Now the essential air service is the subsidies that will come in from the federal government for airline tickets. It's not the fact that um, an airline could come in right now and sell tickets. It's just how high price would they be because without the subsidy and would they be able to afford it and you know, the business model. So uh, our former manager did a great job of presenting that application, but when it was presented, they said, you don't have this you know, market analysis. Likewise, uh, in consultation and talking with Shannon Barnhart, our current manager, she said she's been approached by airlines um, and other places at conferences. And they said, do you have the market analysis? No, and it's dead in the water. Um, The last market analysis was actually done by a specific airline to support their their motion and their position to have the essential air service. So it really was skewed for one specific airline. What this is going to do is look at an overall, an overarching um, approach to this and looking as to whether or not the, the market is there for this type of, of air service. Uh, again, if it comes back and says, you know, the naysayers are going to stand there, see, we told you so. Well, can they say that right now? Can anyone of the naysayers go out there and tell me you've done the market analysis and the market tells us we don't support or we can't support it? That hasn't been done yet. Uh, we've done a lot of studies. And again, I'm like everyone else. I'm not a big fan of studies because again, someone else is making money to tell us what we may or may not already know. This study, this analysis, if you will, is going to come, it's part of the application. The DOT has, you know, spoken with us and they said, your application will go nowhere if this isn't part of it. So we need to get that information in there. We need to go. And again, once this comes back, you know, we are ready. If we need to pivot and focus from a commercial airport to a general aviation airport, Shannon has the tools and the skills. And we've already, you know, we've got some plans, uh, you know, it's some things we've talked about just in chatter, uh, what we can do, you know, as far as increasing, you know, smaller, what they call T hangers, you know, increasing the, oper- the operability of, of the, uh, the airport. But what's confusing, and last night, one of the, one of the legislators spoke of it is that, you know, we 
need to know if we need to keep the airport. We need to keep the airport. You know, we do have jets. We have people coming in and out, both private and charter aircraft that come in. A, a large number of people coming in here, very um, affluent people come in and out of Chautauqua County. I'll put it that way. And I think see, people will be surprised at the number of uh, celebrities and, and high profile individuals that, you know, vacation here and come in and out of that airport. So excited. The airport itself is, is a definite necessity. Um, it's not only a rich man or rich woman's playground. It's really for everybody. And, you know, we need to make sure we have the most up-to-date information as to where we need to go for the future of that airport. So um, again, confident, you know, Shannon is our manager with a you know vast amount of experience in this. So, uh, you know, her, somebody asked, you brought this to us 18 months ago. Well, I hope you understand the significance of this. You know, we're not wasting your time. It's not pouting. It's, you know, last time it was 72,000 and it was voted down. So this time we're coming out. We have funding from other sources, not only the ARPA funding, but um, again, you know, there was some opposition last night. That's okay. Um, you know, they've spoken with me and, and other members and explained their position. But I really feel that this study will, you know, kind of put it to rest once and for all. And we're ready to move uh, and pivot either direction, you know, when that, that result comes in. Is there a timeline for when that study can begin? We, well, as soon as it right now, you know, now they got approved last night. Um, Shannon is already, um, and quite honestly, Shannon Barnhart worked for the, the, the group we were going to consult with uh, to perform the study. So um, she's well aware of what needs to be done and will give us a, a, you know, a little bit of an assistance prior to the actual study taking place and compiling data that they would need. Uh, I believe it would go out the regular process to an RFP, we'd find a consultant or, uh, you know, a group, get a contractually. I was told Shannon had spoken to somebody within the year. Um, we would get this study done and really understand better um, of where we need to go. And, and again, that doesn't mean that if, if um, you know, it says they, it won't support essential air service. It doesn't mean we're not going to have airline in and out. It's not going to have, you know, what if we look at air taxis? Surprisingly, if you watch television every once in a while or even on, on the internet, you'll see uh, commercials for, you know, private aircraft. I think much like vacation homes, VRBOs, I think these, you know, individuals who have aircraft and realize they're not flying all the time, could they generate more revenue by, you know, their pilots flying? And, you know, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, for $2,000, you can load up a family of four, they can pick you up in, you know, Jamestown Airport drive you to you know fly you to Florida or Texas or you know wherever a plane would would accompany you and you have your own private you know taxi <laughs> it'd be kind of nice to fly private you know like the celebrities do pick you up in Jamestown Park for free you go down to Florida spend your week come back you don't have to come back at set times you can leave at noon 10 one in the morning you know whatever and it would be up to the air you know the the, the pilots but I think that's a, that's a great opportunity and an expansion of you know services that would be provided for the county so uh, you know I say this all the time. We have a charging station for electric aircraft. You know, people, oh, yeah. you know what? They said the same thing about the airplane, you know, some 70 or 80 years ago. So let's take a step back, you know, and let's look. And, and the technology behind this, these companies aren't going to start something like, you know, an electric aircraft if it wasn't feasible. Yeah, everybody just jump. Oh yes, electric cars and buses and, and you know, fire trucks, everything. Why can't you have an electric plane? It's just a concept that, you know, again, we're out of that comfort zone. We're out of that, you know, we need a jet. We need a massive 12-cylinder Rolls-Royce engine, you know, pushing a propeller across the air. But maybe we can do it with some batteries. And, and at least Beta came in, and their glide ratio is like 17 to 1, which is phenomenal, I'm told. So, again, really excited about opportunities. And that's really what this is. And But 
we are ready for whatever answers that study gives us, we are ready to move in either direction to make sure we utilize the airport as best we can. Okay. Uh, for the last couple of months, you've been promising big economic development news, and we got that. Finally, with uh, the news that Cubbins will be investing or $452 million into the Jamestown engine plant. So uh, what more do you know about that project? Well, I could tell you, I wish, you know, we, again, with respect to Cummins, you know, we were kind of informed in this prior to my State of the County address. Um, so really hoping we could have put that out there is, you know, really what the efforts were doing. But nonetheless, you know, the, the information we were given is Cummins is going to have a huge celebration in May. Uh, I think some media information has probably already gone out for that. We're going to have their two, two, 2.5 millionth engine produced that will be there that day. The Cummins uh, CNG, compressed natural gas engine, I believe is going to be on display as well. And that's just the technology. As it was shared with us, Cummins has shared a rich history for the last 50 years in Chautauqua County. They are now making an investment for another 50 years in Chautauqua County. So my position is, uh, it's interesting, you know, who's going to try to lay, lay credit to uh, uh you know, who brought Cummins here. Um, it, it's the Jamestown engine plant in the town of Busti. You know, it is not in the city of Jamestown with all respect. Um, you know, that's just a, you know, probably easier than calling it the Busti engine plant, right? But nonetheless, you know, we've had efforts and, you know, multiple administrations have been supporting this this Fortune 500 company for years. But I'm really excited that it's going to be a five-year investment. And as was told to us, it's keeping jobs here in the U.S. If we didn't have these manufacturing jobs, yes, they would have been outsourced to India, Mexico, China and other places. So keeping it here with good paying jobs, supporting our local economy is what Cummins has been about and excited to you know have them invest for another 50 years and like i've said to people they're not going to invest if we're not doing things right here in chautauqua county so i feel confident the direction we're going where we've been in the past and where we're looking to go in the future really exciting news and again great economic development piece you know this morning you saw uh, you know, the, the approval of the sale of the truck light building. This is something that, you know, a lot of people were questioning, you know, criticizing us. Well, you let truck light go. What are you going to do about it? Well, we have a buyer to come in. And that's part one of, of, of the process. And you said there was some discussion as to, you know, other talk in our IDA meeting. Uh, but there are plans, uh, you know, so this is the first step, if you will, but but the rest of that is already in place. I'm really excited to be announcing some more news. Um, and that's one of a, you know, I'm told a couple of different projects that are coming into the area that are linked to that, you know, the purchase of that building itself. So really excited. Um, but as I've said before, you know, a lot of these projects are baking in the oven and, you know, we have to wait for them to come into fruition, and, but really excited. It is a lot of investment, half a billion dollars, you know, to be invested in Chautauqua County. So excited for sure. Mm -hmm. And the, and Chautauqua County, at least for the Industrial Development Agency, has also been working on uh, going forward with finding places to do a shovel-ready site. And uh, Mark Ice had talked a little bit in his executive director report on Tuesday that they're still looking for some additional funds, but has there been sites that have been located so far? Yeah, we're working on sites in the western part of the county. They're, they're about three quarters, maybe even further along the process of acquiring all the parcels. Uh, really excited about this. There is infrastructure already there, sewer, water, et cetera. What we would be doing is is stubbing in the roads, getting the initial, uh, you know, stuff done. And, you know, it, again, it, it's <laughs> it's election season, right? So everyone's going to have their their spot on the paper, their time of, of glory of how great it was, you know, when, when they were in leadership. But... <clears throat> 
You know, one of the articles that was brought up over the weekend was the last time any economic development was done with the spec buildings that were, you know, created in the Stoneman Industrial Park. And, uh, you know, a great testament. You know, we're not criticizing anything that was done. But, you know, right now, you know, they said it was a 23, you know, in today's dollars, it would be a $23 million investment. Um, Quite honestly, you saw last night that it seemed anything the Republicans put up was always blocked from the other side. But getting past that, you know, we're doing that. You know, we're going to invest nearly $11 million is the total to have a shovel-ready site. We're going to do everything except put the building up. So we're going to be a little bit more than half or right about half of the investment, you know, for that shovel-ready site. It goes back to uh, during COVID, you know, when, when Amazon was being told Grand Island wasn't the site or Grand Island didn't want the facility, uh, you know, in their neighborhood. You know, Amazon was looking at this parcel in this area that we're now looking to develop. So um, having said that, once everything is acquired, once we have the official lockdown, if you will, and acquisition of all the property, then we're going to be working with marketing firms to get the, the site out there. And they already know about it. There's some there's some interest already. So really excited as to what that could pay, you know, pay out in the future. So uh, again, you know, we don't have hollow bragging with our IDA. Our IDA has been successful, but like anything else, uh, you know, the, the piece I will say is there's there's critics everywhere, right? There, there's people that are going to criticize what you're doing, but I guess you know, my work, my belief is, if you're doing something, if you're doing nothing, they can't criticize you, right? So if you're doing work, uh, sometimes I feel that the more work we do, the more we're going to be criticized um, because people are going to have questions. But nonetheless, you know, we're moving forward and moving that you know that pendulum back into bringing you know different industries here, uh, advanced technology and advanced manufacturing is where we're, we're kind of looking right now. But not to say that's the only piece we're focused on, but a lot of great things are happening, and I get excited, uh, you know, with each and every announcement we can make. Mm-hmm. With the, with the shovel ready sites, have you found that it's more advantageous to have kind of a blank slate than versus building? I mean, obviously, if you've got to build a spec building, that's a ton of money. But have you found that there seems to be the current market says they prefer that kind of situation? Right. So you know, if you go back to the spec building, what's been loud? You know, Southern Tier Brewing Company came because of the spec building. You know, Southern Tier Brewing Company found a space and made that space work for them, and now that brewing company is now a distillery. So uh, we can't say that that was built, you know, specifically for Southern Tier. But they've, have you seen the success they've had? Um, but it's like anything else, it, it, anything could have gone the other way in, in a business. Um, you know, so yes, the spec building kind of limits you as to, you know, what the industry could or couldn't do. Is it, does it help the developer? Yes, because the buildings are there, it's less cost for them. But on the same token, you know, that, that those buildings, it's better to have the blank, blank slate. You know, what we found in, in discussion with Ryan McMahon from Onondaga County that just landed the Micron uh, project is they already had some shovel-ready sites, but they needed more acreage. So they already had connections and had that opportunity. So they were able to go out and kind of gobble up that extra acreage that's needed for Micron. So, uh, you know, really excited. Again, think about when Athenix came in, you know, that, that building and the site there and, the, you know, there's more development. So excited for the opportunities we have throughout Chautauqua County. It's not just focused on North or South County, uh, but right now, you know, making sure that those opportunities are available and allowing developers or comp- corporations to come in and build, build the building to suit them. Uh, that's really what it's all about, because if you, you, you build something, you may limit what could come here. So 
shovel ready site is the best way to do as like you said with a you know kind of a blank canvas let them paint the picture they would like mm -hmm. you mentioned the phoenix and I, and I always forget to ask about you know what what is the status with what is going on with the phoenix very disappointing because we really don't know the status right now i know there was some concerns with uh the, the facility and and uh, where it goes i don't know we really haven't been uh, brought up to speed there was some a lot of activity with immunity bio uh, but they did do some some layoffs and then there were some questions going on internally so um, they they've been in contact you know we'll have to reach back out and find out where they are but very disappointing now that that came in you know in, in governor cuomo's administration with vince horgan you know, towning nine, eight, eight, nine hundred jobs in Chautauqua County. And, you know, where has the state been to, to promote this? Where has the governor's office been, you know, to try to encourage growth or bringing people in or, you know, sitting down with Immunity Bio or, or even from, you know, prior to that with the Phoenix to say, what can we do to assist? Uh, you know, they bragged about, you know, getting $4 billion to put this in, but they've done nothing yet to support business coming back. You know, our senator and assemblyman are constantly out there asking questions. Uh, but again, it, it you know begs the question, what, wh where's the help from the governor's office? They, they touted this as a big, you know, flag and a big success, but, you know, where is it? And, uh, you know, we want to just make sure that, you know, we get as much help as we can to, to you know, assist immunity bio if that's the indication uh to get over this hump but again it's a and again it's a building that's very specific you know, i've been toured it a couple of times it's really not uh you know you can't make uh you know some you know manufacture wholesale food or anything like that it's a pretty specific you know building so hopefully you know we get some uh, get some results and get that building up and operational Mm -hmm. So, you know, thinking of state government, so earlier this week, Governor Hochul told media she thought there could be a state budget by the end of this week. Well, we're, we're, today's Thursday, and yesterday news reports were coming out saying leg legislators were saying, nah, it's not going to happen this week. So we do know that the housing compact is out of the budget, so that could be discussed more outside. So we know that much, but we've heard that the minimum wage increases, that that's been altered, is not going to be necessarily tied to the rate of inflation. And we've heard about some other details in there but have you heard anything more yourself uh you know i've heard some very disappointing news that right now the governor is looking to keep the intercept of ef map in the in the budget you know that would be the governor taking money that is owed to all 62 counties and why because she can you know it's not going to new programs it's not going to assist it's going to go to the the um general fund balance that's disappointing and, and the audacity to say, I can take it because I can. And, and we're, you know, we need leadership from Washington to say, listen, no. You know, what people aren't really aware of is the reason ARPA, and talking to Congressman Reed, why he was so adamant about getting the money directly to the counties is because New York State is notorious for the last 20-some years of intercepting, as they call it, other than taking, like a playground bully, taking your lunch money. This is money that's owed to the counties by the federal government. You know, again, Senator Schumer, this is your state. Please assist us in making sure that this money gets back to the counties. Right now, you know, we were told, but not we were told, we are owed $8 million from the state government. We were told in a nutshell, too bad, so sad, you're not getting the money. And that's with the new budget director that came in. So disappointing, and now they want to take another $4 million and continuing on this until they feel that they get enough to fill their coffers, please. You know, this is money that should go. I know the senator and assemblyman are both in support of getting that money out. NISAC bilaterally, bipartisanly supporting this. I guess you know, how you look at it, at least she's eating her own, right? I mean, she's taking money from Democratic counties as much as she's taking it from Republican counties. 
but just disappointing. Very sad that right now, as I'm told, you know, the policies are what's holding up this budget. And, and I support Senator Barella 100% when he said, this is not a policy document, it's a financial document about the budget. If you look at my budget, there's no policy in anywhere, nor in any county executive's budget. We look at the finances, but somewhere along the line, I believe it, it was under Governor Cuomo, you know, in this administration ruled by, you know, one party in Albany, we're now putting policies in there that are gonna, you know, circumvent. We may not get the votes on the floor. Let's put it in as part of the budget and, you know, let's work some deals. Well, if you get this, we'll get that. It's, it's really not the way we should be working our budget at the state government. We should be making sure the finances are there, that we can operate the business of state government. Um, Disappointing. I was in Albany actually on Tuesday, and you know we were told, yeah, they're still there, and really no closer. Although you know they like to talk a good game. Uh, you know those who control the narrative that, oh, yeah, we're going to have something by Friday. But um, you know what I've heard, it's very unlikely. Disappointing because now this will be now the sixth budget extension, and it goes back to even the the, the statement that the governor, in some instances, in some, it, it wants to sit down and talk bail reform, but the her own party doesn't want to talk about that. Disappointing because bail reform is key. It does have a huge impact financially of all of our communities and safety. So disappointing. Uh, but, you know, I have I spoke to Senator Brella yesterday and, you know, they're working hard. They're trying to get this across the finish line. But, you know, not across the finish line to, you know, sell out and, and just, you know, take whatever we can get. But it does have to be, you know, unilaterally accepted and, and working for, you know, for all parties involved. So. More to come, I guess. Uh, just disappointed that you know it's it's this late in the game, and and you know people aren't willing to work a little bit harder. Right. Going back to the um, EF map, uh, Congressman Nick Langworthy sent out a press release saying he was sponsoring legislation to eliminate this kind of situation that basically the legislation would forbid or, or not allow governors to take federal fundings that was designated to counties or municipalities. Do you, have you had a chance to talk with him about that legislation or get any sense for if it has legs? Well, I know I don't know about whether it has legs and traction. I know we've talked about this before. Um, this is this is huge. One of the first things we talked about. Um, um, you know, as far as the policy pieces, it's really a state component, but more the federal government has to be, to really pay attention to this. And I know Congressman Langworthy will champion this without a doubt. But you know, New York State—we're one of only I think three states where the counties pay the lion's share of Medicaid. That's disappointing and very disappointing because not only do we pay it, but again, much like the playground bully, we have to implement what they tell us. So if they, you know, lower their qualifications, which means more people qualify for Medicaid, then yes. And, and the other component is we have this thing called safety net. I question the safety net because really what that is is after five years, then if you're still on public assistance, the county picks up 71 cents out of every dollar. Uh, and again, why? Because somewhere in the Cuomo administration, they said, that we're done going half and half. You're going to pay 71 cents. So if, if we want to continue these services that are needed, you guys are going to pay the lion's share. And, and again, one of the only states in the union, one of, I think, three that, that does that. So there needs to be a revamp. The governor needs to look at, you know, what's happening. To the point, I'm, I'm glad, you know, not, <clears throat> I mean, those in the, you know, the construction and, uh, manu you know, the manufacturing homes, et cetera, the builders' trades would be upset. But we were bringing in 800,000 new homes, which is great. But nowhere, nowhere did we see any incentives to bring 800,000 800, individuals back to New York State. You can build all those homes, or, and, and they weren't even homes. They were, you know, 
living units. So, you know, multi-family homes, you know, more apartments, more complexes, bigger, larger project areas. But what are we doing to bring the people back? You know, that's the one disappointing part. You know, we could say we're going to put 800,000, but what are we, what, where are we going to get 800,000 people? That's the key. And, and how many of these things are we going to build and don't occupy? And, you know, what could have been for, you know, medium to high income is now subsidized by, you know, low income. Is it needed? Certainly. Do we need to focus on, you know, better housing stock so people aren't living in deplorable? Certainly. But again, have a plan and a strategy for that, not throw out this, you know, we need 800,000 new units and, th and certain percentage of growth and, and penalties. If you don't have that growth, then there'll be a committee that can override what your community wants and the state will tell you what you're going to get. Th th that's just this poor governance, in my opinion, you know, by the governor. But, you know, again, we're the farthest outpost from Albany. So, you know, a lot of times uh, what, what happens out here, they aren't always uh, in touch with with the exception of our, our assemblymen and senator who definitely uh, make their voices heard to let them know who we are and what we're about. Mm -hmm. Well, at least the housing part is out of the budget for now, but I imagine we'll be re re going back to that. It, whenever there is a budget pass and they can get on to their other business again. At this point, I can remember there being late budgets going into June, way back when, sometime in the early 2000s, and hopefully we don't get to that point. But you know what people have to realize is the more we beleaguer this process, the less work is being done in Albany. You know, that's the point. We're focused on this budget and deliberations and negotiations. You know, if you listen to the senator and the assembly, tell them, but there's so much that has to be done in Albany. So what are we going to do, cram three months or four months now of, of inactivity? I know there are things that are being passed, but, you know, this is taking the lion's share. So, you know, we need to get back to work. And, and, you know, again, I support all the efforts from our elected officials and, and applaud them and support them any way and every way I can. So hopefully get something gets done. Yeah. So there... We were talking here at the end of April, but the first weekend in May, there is an event coming up that's happening at Erlinson Park, uh, one of the county parks, uh, for workers. Yep. And uh, you're you're kind of co-leading the charge on that. Right. We have a we have a workers memorial celebration, if you will, or memorial that takes place every year. This year, it's going to be on May sixth. So, although it seems like it's next weekend. <laughs> it's May 6th. You know, it's really, it's here. Um, 11 o'clock at Erlinson Overlook Park. And what it is, you know, it takes time to remember those who died while working, um, you know, both in industry and agriculture, you know, throughout Chautauqua County. Um, you know, it's a, it's a personal connection to me. I know, you know, two of the individuals, uh, you know, who worked with my father, um, you know, through Cummins Engine, you know, one died in a car accident uh, while a member of the Jamestown Labor Management Committee uh, traveling back, uh, I believe, from uh, somewhere in eastern part of the state. Uh, another one was a good friend of my dad's, one of his best friends who was killed in a machine accident at Cummins Engine. Um, so again, when you listen to that memorial, and, and more and more, I heard, you know, some names this year, and, you know, one of them was a colleague of mine when I was teaching. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it, we need to take time to recognize those individuals because although the workplace has been much improved, you know, when you look at OSHA and PESH and different, you know, federal and, and state agencies that have been established to, re, you know, improve worker safety, we still have fatalities um, while people are working. You know, we had a, a gentleman, although not from Chautauqua County, you know, fall uh, 
I was killed in that fall early on, uh, almost a year ago, uh, in Chautauqua Institution. So we need to take time to honor those uh, who have who have gone, um, and you know our our labor unions have done a tremendous job of that. And it's it's a somber experience, but it's also there to celebrate um, the strides we've made and the innovations we have in technology, and, and to embrace you know the technology we have. So I encourage everyone to come on out May sixth at eleven a.m. There's always goodies. Uh, I think last year was subs, wraps. We have donuts, uh, refreshments out there. Um, and I, I believe it's by, I don't want to say it was one of the unions and it would be the wrong one, but, you know, we do have support there for the refreshments. And, you know, our local CSEA is always there representing as well. So, again, ask everybody to, t- to take time out next Saturday. And it's uh, if you want to find the windiest place in Chautauqua County, I urge you to go to Erlinson Overlook Park because every year we go there and it's, it's amazing. It could be 60 degrees and balmy down below. And at the highest point in Chautauqua County, I'm told it's always a little bit windy and blustery. So, uh, but we'll be there anyway and we'll, we'll be excited to, uh, you know, share and remember those who have gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anything else that you'd like to share with us for today? No, I think that's about it. But, you know, as always, as soon as I walk out, I'll be like, oh, we should have talked about that. But no, I think, you know, realistically, you know, we're we're in a really good position. Uh, you know, the collaboration we have in, in the county and different groups, we are working together. And you heard a lot last night about, you know, the lake. And, uh, you know, no matter where we are, uh, there isn't a disdain for one another. At least I hope there's not. And really what there needs to be is a celebration that we all have that much passion for Chautauqua Lake. And not to mention other lakes, too. This isn't just, you know, as, as Bob and Kowski asked, will that equipment go to other lakes? Certainly. Um, you know, and do we do we sit down and, and, you know, can form a council of lakes? Well, there's only three, so I don't know how big the council would be. But, you know, we could look at all of those things to bring all, you know, the lakes together. But it's like everything else. that There's, you know, so much diversity in the three lakes. The primary lakes we think of is, you know, Finley Lake, Casadega Lake, even Bear Lake. But, um, you know, Bear Lake is... is relatively very, very small compared to others. So uh, we'll keep working, you know, uh, these lakes, be it Lake Erie, um, you know, and and, uh, and Chautauqua Lake, Finley Lake, Bear Lake, all of our, our bodies of water are really key to our economics here in Chautauqua County. So, you know, we need to get behind it. We need to work together, you know, put down the anger, put down the animosity, and, you know, really let's look at the overall part, the, the solution, and that's, you know, helping our bodies of water. All right. Well, County Executive P.J. Wendell, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me.